0: I think that's important when you're doing this, if you're going to do this on your own, that you want to start thinking about when someone, their interest is peaked, what are all the steps that need to happen in order for them to go from, I'm interested to satisfied client?
1: Welcome to the Emerging Advisor Podcast. We deliver advisors' proven strategies to maximize time, profit, and freedom. Hello and welcome back Emerging Advisor podcast episode number two. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Scott Dugan and Sean Lee, the co-founders of Emerging Advisor, a practice management and marketing company that helps you find proven strategies to maximize time, profit and freedom and we're going to get into some of the nitty and gritty about emerging advisor and about maybe even some of the details that are going on in your own your very own practice in today's show and hopefully provide some thoughts and solutions on those things before we dive into everything let's introduce you to the voices of the program in case it's your first time joining us scott dugan what's going on my friend how are you
0: hello walter hey good to be here
1: Great to have you with us. And Sean Lee is here as well, smiling as always, as he told us on the last episode.
2: <laughs> I'm here. He's I'm here. here.
1: Here and ready to rock and roll. Here
2: and ready to go.
1: That is good news, as always. We'd be very sad if you weren't here with us. The Ultimate Practice Blueprint, the conversation of today's episode, today's show. We're going to get into a lot of good details on today's program, so I'm glad you're with us. Settle in and get ready. Scott, set us up here. The Ultimate Practice Blueprint is just what it sounds like, right? What do we want our practice to sound like from a financial planning standpoint, from how it's going to run, How do we then get from point A to point B? Well,
0: I think as we get into this, you know, one important fact that we want to make sure we get out there is that Sean and I day-to-day run financial services practices. So we own an RIA, we own planning firms, we own insurance agencies, and then we own Merging Advisor, which is a practice management and marketing company. So Everything that we do to build our practice, to gather, you know, leads and, and grow our client book, those are the things that we're going to be talking about. Those are the things that we make available to our clients, the ultimate load that our advisors. So, going back several years ago, Sean and I built out a framework to get our head wrapped around well, what are the parts of a practice, of a financial services practice, or a financial planning practice, and we broke it down into three basic silos. So if you think three silos side by side, the first one is what we call client attraction. All right. So that is how do you put your message out to the world to attract people in to hear more about what you do and how you can help them. The second silo to the left of that is the client acquisition. So you could also call that your sales process. So once someone has heard your message, said, hey, we really like what you have to say, I wanna learn more about you and your process, that's when you take them through what we call the client acquisition process. And ultimately at the end of that, we want them to become a client. And so the third silo would be called client retention. What are those things that you do to keep uh, fulfill our promises to keep those clients happy, satisfied, and ultimately a lifelong client? And so, those are the three areas. So again, client attraction, client acquisition, and client retention. All right. And so, ultimately, over those three silos are all of the workflows that we've built on what happens before, during, and after each of those processes, and. To me, it's easy for me to draw that out and think of the idea. But I can tell you, Sean is the detail guy. And so I'll let him dive into a little bit of detail about each of those, uh, about three areas, and break those apart a little bit.
2: Thanks, Scott. So, I mean, when we look at, at really creating a structured practice and process to go with everything, I mean, every activity, every everything that you want to accomplish in, in a day should be well thought out. It should be structured. If you think about it far too often, if we don't have a list and and I'm a, I'm a list guy. I like to complete tasks and I get excited of, about, you know, marking tasks off. I don't know, Scott, if you do that, but I'm a task guy. I like to mark things off. and, And if there's not tasks that need to be completed, just like anybody, I can get distracted. And so what we've looked at there, and if we've got attraction, acquisition, and retention, you know, when we're going to create a campaign, well, what are all those steps to market to the public? You know, if if I want to market a class that, that we do in, you know, college or university or something, um, well, there's gotta be activities that go before the class is even created and then there's activities to create the class. And then there's steps in between for my, our staff to follow and then it's the night of the class. So there's things that have to be done and then after the class. So you, you look before, during, and after any type of event when it comes to attraction. Well, what we want to do there is we want to build out and we want to create systematic processes that are easily implemented, easy to follow for our team, but also make sure that there's, there's no stone that gets left unturned. There's no pertinent task that doesn't get completed in a timely manner. I mean, we talk about this quite a bit, Scott. It's kind of that Ritz-Carlton experience. You go to a Ritz-Carlton, whether it's in Pensacola, Florida, or Hawaii, the experience is going to be pretty similar. It's all going to be the same. It's going to be high level. It's going to be first class. And that's really what we want when we build out our workflows and our processes is to build out consistency and to build out really a first class process that, an advisor could use, our office could use to create efficiencies in their life. But more importantly, create the opportunity for an advisor to not have to micromanage every step along the way. They just know that their team is completing the tasks that have been created for them. And
0: and to add to that, Sean, I think you said it's very important that until we mapped out the process that we were going to follow, we were just kind of guessing and trying a lot of different things. I think the initial blueprint we did took about 6 months to really lay everything out. But we think of it as here is the map that the advisor is going to follow, here's the map that the staff is going to follow. And ultimately, we want to be able to explain to the prospective client what they're going to experience. And when I'm with, you know, a new prospective family, I show them, we've got it all drawn out of our client process of what they're going to experience, when we're going to meet, what we're going to talk about. Uh, Reason we do that, uh, less than 5% of advisors have their process written out. So that tells you right there, you should do it. Number two, I let them know, I said... I want you to have an exceptional experience. I want you to know where we are every step of the way in this process. And I also want my staff to know where we are so nothing falls through the cracks. We wanna make sure that we're doing everything correctly and so there's no surprises around the corner. So that's the other reason to having you know these processes written out. Everybody can be on the same page and it's very easy to determine where, if anything, the ball is being dropped.
1: It sounds like you guys are implementing this concept throughout your practices and throughout the Emerging Advisor Program. The client attraction, client acquisition, client retention is it, everything you do. Basically, has to kind of answer or follow the path of those three items, no matter what sort of marketing task it is. That's the the blueprint and the outline.
0: Short answer: Yes, everything that we do is from open the office to. Getting a folder ready to preparing for a client review is all written out. It's in our in our system, built into our system. And it fires off tasks that are to be clicked off as they're completed. So at any time we can look on our dashboards and see everything that's going on inside of our practices. And we can also see on that dashboard if things are lagging, you know, if something's been undone, we can quickly go to that task who's involved with it and we can get directly in at fixing the issue if there is one so it's taken a long time for us to get there you know to that point mm-hmm. but it is let us focus on things that are infinitely more important and profitable in our practices than micromanaging people because sean and i'll tell you we are not managers of people we are builders of processes is more of what we are in training or trainers of processes So you also could think of this as, you know, the client journey, you know, what process are they going to follow? And that's kind of how we started looking at from the standpoint of, you know, if the prospect is out there, and they see one of our, you know, direct mail pieces or digital ads for an upcoming event. Well, that event is talking about problems that other people like them have faced, you know, it could be paying too much in taxes, could be running out of money in retirement, it could be how do you you know, make plans for the skyrocketing cost of healthcare. You know, those are issues that you know, people are talking about those are issues that people are, you know, laying awake at night or talking to their spouse about. So we just viewed it as if we start with what's the message that attracts people? Then how do we deliver that information to them? For us, we do educational events uh, at universities and colleges here and all over the country for other advisors. So it's a very low risk, low friction way for people to come in to a nice setting, an educational setting, and learn unbiased information. And they can make a decision if they want to take another step which would be come into the advisor's office and go through their process. And so I think that's important when you're doing this, if you're gonna do this on your own, that you wanna start thinking about when someone, their interest is peaked. what are all the steps that need to happen in order for them to go from I'm interested to satisfied client? And I can tell you, and Sean, you may know the answer, the amount of steps that are between those two things of saying, I, I want to go hear what they have to say to, I am so glad I hired them to fix my issues and develop my financial plan. There's a massive amount of steps that are involved there.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're looking at all the little touches, the little calls, the way the conference room is set up, like as you alluded to, there are all these things that can make that client onboarding experience really different than the rest. You know, it's uh, in our office when people, and I think you, you do the same, when people walk into our office, their name's up on their TV screen. You know, Elevated Retirement Group is welcoming Mr. Smith. And, and those little things that you do, if you do them consistently, add up to a lot when it comes to the experience. But those all need to be, all of those little tasks and all those little things that you do need to be accounted for from Hey they raised their hand and said, "Hey, I'm interested in speaking with you to, man, thanks for what we call you know a, a quality service call or whatever. At the very end, after they become a client, there's probably 80 different steps that go on in that three to four appointment process.
1: So how long does it take somebody, guys? You know, you mentioned it takes you it took you six months, it sounded like, to where you really started to pull together just your first practice blueprint before you even arrived at uh, the the ultimate practice blueprint, which also sounds like it's something that's, you know, constantly evolving, as it should be, you know, we're always learning new things and implementing new ideas and trying new things. But how long should just, uh, you know, an advisor listening to today's show expect to get there to get to that point? Well, I'll let Sean answer
0: this, because we just went through this process of rebuilding and reevaluating every part of our process and automating almost all of it into our (laughs) software program. So I'll let Sean kind of give you a little hint on how long that actually (laughs) took.
2: (laughs) Well, if you were in my office in August, you would have seen a lot of tired eyes, red eyes and, and some frustrated people as we were changing things. We're about two months into the transition, maybe three months in and we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. People are getting excited about the the processes that we've put in place. Change is never easy, it's never easy. But an advisor, if they go full bore and they just dive into it, you're probably looking at a four to six month timeline to learn the systems, transition, and that's if somebody automates it all for you and just learning and tweaking it to fit your practice.
1: Guys, we've been talking on the podcast so far about these the three silos, right? Client attraction, client acquisition. I think we covered both of those in depth so far. But that third one, client retention, and we didn't gloss over it on purpose or save it for last on purpose, probably a better way to say that. But often advisors will do just that. They This is kind of the, the one thing out of the three that sometimes gets overlooked, the importance of having client retention. Can you speak to that a little bit and then also how that plays into the blueprint that you develop in your practice and that you help other advisors implement?
0: Sure. And and depending on where you're coming from, you know, what business model you've been following is that if you grew up in the transactional based financial services, where if you just sold a product, got paid a one-time fee, you know, those are customers, you know, those are transactions and going from that to building a client and building a reoccurring revenue model means that there is no large upfront commission that you have to earn that fee over time and continually earn a client's trust by fulfilling the promises that we've made to them. And so I think making that switch can be tough for some folks, because it takes a different mindset. You know, Years ago, hey, I came up on the insurance side. And years ago, I did multiple dinner seminars. So please don't judge me. I, they're a good way for some people to do business. I did it for a long time. But I can tell you, in those early 2000s, I would do a seminar, people would say yes, I would meet with those people that said yes. And I never really nurtured those folks that came to our events never really communicated with them anymore. I would just do another event. And you know, that's a sales mentality, that's a, that's a sales job uh, that you have. And so when you move from emerge from a sales culture to more of a business owner, uh, you've got to think about, all right, I'm advertising these services, I'm doing financial planning, and I'm going to get paid a quarterly fee, and so I'm going to continue to earn that. You've got to start thinking about what are ways to make yourself valuable to your clients what issues can I help them with and how can I continue to add value to that relationship? And so I think that that's the transition that, so that retention is, you know, how are you communicating with your clients? How are you showing up when you meet with them? What are you talking about? What are you helping them with? So I think that's that retention piece is keeping them as a lifelong client. And I tell our new clients that said, my job is to make sure I do everything in my power to make sure I'm the last advisor you ever need. I don't want you to have to switch. So to do that, I'm gonna to have to work really hard at this relationship. And so that's the way I envision this retention is, You know, what are all the things we need to do to fulfill promises and keep these folks you know, in our lives for a long, long time? And I, Sean has probably similar, but maybe a few variances to that, but I'll, I'll let him kind of chime in.
2: Well, yeah, you work so hard on the front end to bring a family on. And I mean, you're you're putting your best foot forward. But the way that our practice works, and Scott hit on the nail on the head, is if we're not providing a high level of service, it's very easy for our clients just to leave. Like they could go to the advisory firm down the street or, or wherever it may be. Because we are fee-based and we don't collect our fee right up front, we've got to continually work and continually provide value. And there's a lot of ways that you can do that, right? You can communicate on a weekly, quarterly, monthly basis, whatever it may be. Consistent reviews. We're in the process right now of running a state of the union where we're flying in our chief investment officer to present to all of the families that we have managed money with in, in Utah. So there are things that you you can consistently or should be consistently doing. However, if you don't have a process to do all those things, none of it's going to get done. It's going to be arbitrary. It's going to be ragtag, and it's not going to be consistent. And the reason that clients leave advisors isn't because of returns for the most part. It's because of bad service.
0: Yeah, Sean, I think you said something extremely important is that it's consistency, Right. And one of the things that separates most businesses, especially in the financial planning, financial services world, is the consistency. And hey, I've been guilty of this in the past, where I went to a a conference or a training, got some bright, shiny idea, and ran home to my staff and said, oh, we're going to do this. And then we stopped doing it, you know, after a short period of time. Well, I can tell you, clients notice that. They notice when you don't, follow through with what you say you're going to do. There's a reason why I believe it's more important to do a smaller number of things really, really well and be consistent with it. For example, in our marketing communication calendar, we plan out our entire year of all the touch points that we're going to offer to our clients. So an example would be we do a client podcast, it's for clients and prospective clients. So anyone that's ever raised their hand, that was interested in a white paper came to a class, you name it, they are entered onto that list. But I am diligent about that podcast, I do two podcasts per month. And so that goes out on the first and the third week of the month. Well, on the second, fourth weeks of the month, I write an e-newsletter that goes out to our clients and prospects. Every quarter, I have a hard copy newsletter that goes out to all my clients and prospects. In the mail, yes, we print paper and buy postage. Why? Because our demographic still reads it and likes it. We also send a digital version. But we are consistent with that. We get responses with that. And I just did my halftime report, which I've been doing for the past several years. We launched our podcast, I believe we're in the 30 odd, some uh, episodes, I believe. I had 140 people in a room and I asked them, I said, well, how many of you are listening to our podcast? And I bet you three-fourths of that room raised their hand. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I was amazed that people listened and they really enjoy it. And our clientele is, you know, 55 plus. But again, whatever you're gonna do, do it well. Be consistent with it, and add incremental things on top of it over time, so you can you people know what to expect. And I think that's Sean said it. We've we've got to be able to earn those folks respect, add value to their situation, and we always need to keep differentiating ourselves. And in today's world. (laughs) answering the phone before it hits the third ring, calling someone back on the same day, doing what you say you're going to do is in short supply. And so just the act that you do what you say you're going to do, you're consistent, separates you from a lot of the people in our industry right off the bat.
1: Well, it's well said, Scott, and I'm, I'm kind of fired up now. I'm ready to go hit somebody, as they say on the uh, on the on the football field. You know, it's inspiring to hear about some of the trials and tribulations that you guys have gone through. I know you've learned a lot from the advisors that you've worked with as well. That you've helped incorporate into this ultimate practice blueprint as well. Remember, it's made up of those three silos: client attraction, client acquisition, and client retention. If you want more information on some of the things that we've talked about today, want to learn more about Scott Dugan and Sean Lee and the Emerging Advisor program, check out emerging-advisor.com. You'll find episodes of the podcast there, the blog. You'll be able to tap into the newsletter and uh, join the mailing list as well. Lots of great resources there for you on the website, emerging-advisor.com, your place to go, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes of today's episode, so just check that out look at the description of the episode on whatever app you're using to listen to the show and you'll be pointed in the right direction for emerging-advisor.com. For Sean Lee and Scott Dugan, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time to join us and we'll talk to you next time back here on the Emerging Advisor Podcast.